An animal welfare expert says there is nothing that could ever convince him live animal exporting can be safe. So why is the government considering reintroducing the practice? For that and everything else worth talking about, find and follow Newsable wherever you listen to podcasts. Stuff Podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Wright and welcome to The Long Read from Stuff. This week's story is called The Strategic Hunters. It's by Stuff senior writers Blair Ensor and Mike White. Blair Ensor joins me now. Hi Blair. G'day Mike. So this story is something of a companion piece, I guess, to one other of yours that's featured on here and obviously work that Mike White has done for Stuff if readers are familiar. So tell us straight up first, who are the strategic hunters here? So the strategic hunters are a group of uh, investigators or detectives who are trained in an interviewing method called the Complex Investigation Phased Engagement Model, or kind of less informally known as SIPM. Yeah, that's the acronym we're going to use throughout, so people don't have to hear that over and over again. The story is about this technique, which has proved controversial since it's been used the last few years. So just quickly run us through what it's about. So the architect of the method is a very senior detective by the name of Tom Fitzgerald, who's recently retired. And he developed the technique as a way of, uh, I guess, better engaging with suspects who were reluctant to talk to police. Uh, and I guess many of those, uh, what police would consider quite complex investigations or cold cases. It's been used in a handful of cases to date, probably most controversially the murder of Lois Tolley, where a high court judge gave police a real dressing down for how they uh, engaged with the suspect in relation to that and, and the interview that they had with a particular suspect who became known as X extracted what a high court judge deemed to be uh, a very unreliable confession. So the idea here is these are cold cases, there's nothing happening on them, we think we know who might have done it or we have a suspect or something we need to follow. Let's put them in a room that is different. This is not an interrogation. This is a much more informal conversation. Is that, is that, is that how they approach it here? Or? Yeah, I guess it's kind of all about you know being able to engage uh, with the suspect on a more kind of personal level. You get to kick back in a room uh, and have, uh, I guess, a bit of a fireside chat, a bit of a chit-chat about the case rather than having a detective sitting there banging their hand on a table and saying, you know, tell us what you know, tell us what you know. It's more like, hey, look, tell us about yourself. Tell us about your family, where you came from, you know. Here, have a McChicken as well. And um, by the way, also tell us a little bit about what you know about the murder. So it seems, and that we get into the, you get into this in the story, but it, good idea. I mean, if the case has got nothing moving on it, here's a way to maybe take a different approach and shake something loose that you haven't got already. Yeah, look, I think the, the the method is founded on a on a pretty sound logic, um, and it's not rocket science what's being used here. But I guess some of these interviews, uh, particularly in the Tolly case, where the judge said that elements of it were used to excess, or uh, as you'll hear in in the other case uh, that I wrote about earlier this year, that featured on the the long read, the, the death of Penny Tui, the suspect in that case was really pushed to the edge emotionally and there was a lot of repetitive questioning at the, over a long period of time. And is that seen as being oppressive? That's kind of the, the, the very nub of the issue. Right, so it's kind of like a, it's still an interrogation by stealth almost because the veneer is calm, placid, friendly, non-interrogative. 
Absolutely. The, the interviewer is um, taught not to be aggressive and confrontational with the suspect. I mean, that doesn't always play out in practice, and there are certainly interviews change gears along the way, but all the interviews that we've, we have knowledge of certainly start out you know, with, with people kicking back and having a nice, friendly old chit-chat. All right, let's find out what happens then. Thanks, Blair. Here is Blair reading The Strategic Hunters. On August 16, 2019, Police National Crime Manager Detective Superintendent Tim Anderson wrote an excited email to colleagues. Just wanted to let you know, if you're not aware yet, that Tom and DS Dylan Ross got a full confession from the primary offender for the lowest Tolly murder today. The offender admitted pulling the trigger on the firearm that killed Miss Tolly. Tolly, 30, had been shot point-blank in her upper hut flat in December 2016, and the failure to nail anyone for the killing had vexed police badly. The breakthrough came via a new method for interviewing suspects in cold cases, the Complex Investigation Phased Engagement Model, or SIPM, the brainchild of Detective Inspector Tom Fitzgerald. Anderson continued, Obviously, this is a remarkable success, and the second confession now based on Tom's SIPM theory and application. I take my hat off to Tom and Dylan and Steve and the other SIPM trainers who are not only hunters, but what I would call strategic hunters, who were determined, well-prepared, patient, and thorough. The cheers and backslapping rippled through police national headquarters in Wellington. Detectives were convinced they'd struck gold with a new tool to coax criminals into confessing. But the celebrations were hasty. Eventually it became clear the primary offender in Tolly's murder had been manipulated into making a false confession, and the case against him and two other defendants collapsed. The other confession Anderson talked of followed a SIPM interview that a top lawyer has described as very troubling and oppressive. For separate reasons, that case never made it to court either. By early 2022, Stories broke in the media about the previously secret SIPM technique. By September, police had been forced to hand over crucial documents explaining how the controversial method worked. By October, Fitzgerald, the strategic hunter, SIPM's architect and the country's top investigator, had retired. There are numerous reasons why crimes go unsolved. No forensic evidence... Nobody sees what happened. Nobody wants to talk to the cops. This is what led Tom Fitzgerald, a police officer for more than 30 years, to create SIPM. The idea was simple. Treat people as humans, show empathy, don't judge. Get away from movie stereotypes of a detective hammering a table and demanding answers. Under SIPM, interviews were more fireside chat than fiery interrogation. Instead of tables between suspect and detective, there would be sofas or comfortable chairs arranged at a 10 to 2 position or 90 degrees. Note-taking would be replaced by shared takeaway food. The interview room would be painted neutral shades, preferably a single colour. The aim was to establish a relationship, make the suspect comfortable and hope they start talking. On paper, SIPM seemed like common sense. A review in 2021 found it was in line with international best practice. But that review only considered SIPM as a theory. It didn't look at any examples where the technique had been used. If it had investigated the reality, the conclusions may have been quite different. 
When Tom Fitzgerald got the green light to roll out SIPM in 2018, officers began suggesting cases where it could be used. One of the first related to a 1985 child homicide. On May 1, 2019, Fitzgerald rang Kathleen Smith, the suspect in the death of Danny Virk toddler Penitui Taputoro. Decades earlier, Smith had described a series of mishaps, including a fall and accidentally dropping Penitui, which led to the child's fatal head injuries. Despite suspicions about her story, police concluded the one-year-old's death was an accident, and Smith was never charged. But a coroner ruled Penitui's brain injuries were consistent with her being severely shaken. The Tapu Toros weren't happy about the outcome, but it was more than three decades before they asked police to reopen their investigation. I look forward to the cough and seeing some kind of closure for the whānau, Detective Superintendent Tim Anderson wrote in an email to the officer reviewing the file in October 2018. On the phone, Fitzgerald somehow convinced Smith to front up at a Hamilton police station the next day, without a lawyer, to talk to a detective about the case. Fitzgerald handpicked Detective Sergeant Manya Piahana to talk to Smith. Today, Piahana said to Smith in the interview, it's about making sure that you leave here, me knowing what happened, and you being able to share that burden with me. Smith insisted she'd told the truth in 1985. Piahana pushed back. Kathy, I don't want you to go back down that same rabbit hole. Today is about making sure that everybody has the truth so that everybody's lives can move on. Slowly, Smith recounted a new version of events. She was emotional, crying, hyperventilating and often unable to give clear answers. I think my life is going to be over, she said at one point. Piahana comforted and confronted Smith in equal measure. This is going to make your life better because we take it off your shoulders. I just need you to tell me what happened. Smith then said she was playing with Penny Tui, bouncing the child on her knee, before Penny Tui fell backwards. After being challenged that her story still didn't explain the severity of the child's injuries, Smith admitted she'd shaken her. Only later, Smith said, did she learn of the dangers of shaking a baby. After more than four hours, the gruelling interview ended. Five months later, in October 2019, a senior detective in Manawatu sought advice from the Crown about charging Smith. The detective appeared uneasy about the SIPM interview. I believe, he wrote in an email, that a prosecutor should review the interview to accurately appraise themselves not only of the contents, but the challenges this interviewing style is likely to raise in any future proceedings. Crown solicitor Ben Vanderkolk advised that he believed there were grounds to charge Smith with manslaughter, provided there was medical evidence of Penny Tui's injuries. Vanderkolk felt the information gleaned during the SIPM interview was reliable. Piahana was firm with Smith, he said, but engaged in a kind, patient and respectful manner, and wasn't forceful or overbearing. While Smith at times operated under significant psychological distress, she had a law degree, knew her rights, and chose not to end the interview. In Vanderkolk's opinion, the interview was likely admissible. But veteran defence lawyer Nigel Hampton KC holds a very different view. It's quite extraordinary, he said, after reading a transcript of the interview obtained by Stuff. I've seen some extreme interviews over the years, but I've never seen anything quite like this. Hampton is a member of the Criminal Cases Review Commission 
an independent body established to investigate miscarriage of justice claims in New Zealand. He believes there are numerous issues with the interview, the most glaring of which is Piahana's unremitting persistence. A person might well start to be compliant to try and put an end to the ordeal, Hampton said. You're in foreign surroundings, a police station which has some authority built around it, and you're being talked to at great length, and the only out really being offered is, tell me what I want to hear and what the parents of the child want to hear, and then you're out of here. So what will a person do in the end? They comply with it, and that in itself is oppressive. Hampton also takes exception with what he said were misleading statements by the interviewer. It's that persistency, he said, of that one thing, that if you give me the answers we both want, your life will be better for it. Crikey Dick, the whole point of the interview exercise was indeed to disrupt her life. It wasn't going to make her life better at all, and that's the fundamental lie that's being sold here, and that's never going to stand up in court. Ultimately, Pia Hanna's SIPM interview with Kathleen Smith, now known as Katrina Wirahiko, was never tested. As police readied the case for prosecution, they found Penny Tui's medical records had been destroyed, and the case went nowhere. The murder of Lois Tolley in 2016 was so shocking and violent, police described it as an execution-type killing. Intruders smashed into her home and shot her in the neck, in what's believed to have been a standover related to drugs. The investigation was codenamed Operation Archer, and despite early police bullishness the culprits were in their sights, no arrests followed. It wasn't until July 2019 that an informant suggested a man we'll call X was involved. The names of all those charged with Tolly's murder are suppressed. The head of Operation Archer, Inspector Scott Miller, contacted Tom Fitzgerald, who was working in Australia at the time, asking for help interviewing X. Four officers drew up a profile of X, identifying his vulnerabilities, and Fitzgerald chose two of his most trusted interviewers for the job, Detective Sergeant Dylan Ross and Detective Senior Sergeant Steve Anderson. Assisted by Fitzgerald, they spent five hours rehearsing and role-playing the day before interviewing X. On August 14, they picked up X from Rimutaka Prison, where he was being held on other charges, brought him back to Wellington Police Station and gave him some McDonald's to eat. Working as a tag team, and with Fitzgerald and Operation Archer officers monitoring the interview, Ross and Anderson quizzed X on what he knew about Tolly's murder. X insisted he wasn't involved, but eventually mentioned four people he thought might have been. The interviewers then turned this on X, suggesting he had now narked on these people. Two days later, thinking he committed the cardinal sin of snitching on mates, X told Detective Ross he had shot Tolly. I just prefer to go to jail, bro, for a long time to save the people I love. However, when X described how he killed Tolly, it didn't match the evidence found at the crime scene. Despite this, everyone accepted X's confession, leading to Tim Anderson's celebratory Strategic Hunters email. Two years later, that hubris was humbled. High Court Judge Justice Simon France excoriated the interviews, saying that X had been manipulated into making admissions that weren't credible and had been improperly obtained by an unfair process. Justice France strongly criticised repeated and serious deliberate breaches of interviewing rules and said the SIPM technique was used to unacceptable excess. Perhaps most damningly, 
He ruled the interviews weren't a pursuit of a neutral truth, but a sustained pursuit of a particular truth. Charges against X were withdrawn, and when the same was done, for separate reasons, with two other defendants, the police case collapsed. In 2022, police commissioned Auckland lawyer Aaron Perkins KC to review Operation Archer. However, his findings, and even his terms of reference, remain hidden, with police refusing to release them. Nearly six years after Lois Tolley's murder, nobody has been held to account. When Tom Fitzgerald was confronted with Justice Simon Francis' stinging judgment of X's interview, his reaction shocked many. As well as describing aspects of the ruling as merely Francis' opinion, Fitzgerald claimed Sippin wasn't at fault, but the interviewing officers had stretched their skill. Like all of us, he said, Detectives Anderson and Ross will look at those criticisms, take those on board, and grow and improve from it. Fitzgerald had joined the police in 1991. He graduated top of his class and rose quickly through the ranks as a detective, eventually heading the criminal investigation branch and becoming the country's most senior investigator. He interviewed Scott Watson, the prime suspect in the disappearance of Ben Smart and Olivia Hope from the Marlborough Sounds on New Year's Day 1998, and eventually arrested him. A year later, he was involved in the investigation into the murder of Ashburton teenager Kirsty Bentley. Fitzgerald said he had played a part in more than 100 homicide investigations and made no bones about murder cases being the pinnacle for any decent detective. If this isn't treated as your gold medal event, then you're in the wrong job, he told Stuff in 2017. When I get the call, I'm 100% sure we're going to solve it because I'm 100% confident in my ability and the ability of my team. In 2018, Fitzgerald was made an officer of the New Zealand Order of Merit for services to the police and community. Around this time, then-Police Commissioner Mike Bush asked him to pull together a programme for high-end interviewing, and Fitzgerald was able to put his years of experience into a formal model. Sip him. Despite claiming there was nothing to hide, police and Fitzgerald have fought to keep Sippem's details secret. Twice, Stuff has been forced to take legal action to obtain information and documents, and when criticism of Sippem emerged, it was met with defensiveness from Fitzgerald, and claims the method was benign. In Fitzgerald's words, Sippem was about engaging people with respect and empathy. This is just being a good police officer and talking to people. During a 2021 court hearing for X in the Tolly case, Fitzgerald denied Sippem interviews were simply about extracting confessions. This is built on engaging with people for lifelong relationships, he said. What are you talking about? said lawyer Robert Lithgow KC, incredulous. Lifelong relationships with X? What on earth are you going on about? Honesty? Relationship? Genuineness? This is all jibber-jabber, isn't it? I take offence to that, Fitzgerald replied. Even as he rose up police ranks, Fitzgerald stood out from his colleagues in his willingness to take a hands-on role. In the Penny Tui case, he was the one who phoned Kathleen Smith and convinced her to come in for an interview. After X's confession to killing Lois Tolley, Fitzgerald drove him back to prison. In the case of Verdon Perry, which we'll get to in a moment, Fitzgerald encouraged the suspect to continue giving a statement against the advice of Perry's lawyer. And it was Fitzgerald, while working as a police liaison officer in Australia, who phoned David Bembo, 
the prime suspect in the 2017 disappearance of Christchurch builder Michael McGrath, and flew back from Australia and approached Bimbo. Dylan Ross, one of Fitzgerald's lieutenants in implementing SIPM, told a pre-trial hearing for X that SIPM was very clearly Tom's concept, and he followed Fitzgerald's plan. Ross worked with Fitzgerald for 11 years when Fitzgerald was the head of Christchurch's CIB and described him as forceful and determined. So the model, Ross told the hearing, it's a formalised model of what we'd been doing for some time and he'd finally managed to put this into some structure and on paper. Ross admitted some officers didn't like interviewing and were relieved when people refused to make a statement. But that's not me, he said, and that's not Tom Fitzgerald. Today on Newsable, the coalition government is considering reintroducing the exporting of live animals after it was banned by Labour last year. What one animal welfare expert has to say about it. Plus, can rugby and politics ever really be separated? We're talking controversial haka ahead of this weekend's latest round of super rugby matches and the unusual form of currency a US library is accepting for fines. For everything that's worth talking about, find and follow Newsable wherever you get your podcasts. So what is it about SIPM that has led to sustained concern and criticism? A confidential SIPM training manual obtained by Stuff labels it an offender targeting system and outlines its nine stages from profiling the suspect to the close. Between these, the manual stresses the need for extensive preparation and rehearsal. The interviewer must be patient and follow the plan, never become argumentative, frustrated or angry, and how to deal with resistance from the suspect and build rapport. Active listening creates an environment of trust and likability in which the suspect believes the interviewer is genuinely interested in what they have to say. The document traverses Aristotle's theories on persuasion and takes a curious diversion into Karate Kid pseudo-philosophy when insisting interviewers remain agile during the conversation. This is similar to a martial artist in the ring. Having honed their skills for many years, they do not enter the ring with a set play. What matters is their ability to move, duck and weave, and counter their opponent through the confidence they have gained through years of practice and passion. Further, a martial artist can use their opponent's force and aggression against them. This is how a small person can defeat a much bigger and stronger opponent. Similarly, the expert interviewer who has earned the right to be confident is happy to counter dialogue raised by the suspect. The training document treats interviewing as a science, but it is also a blueprint for obtaining confessions. The key to an effective appeal, it reads, is the emotional journey the interviewer has taken the suspect on by getting them to a point in which they see value in releasing their cognitive load. The manual concludes by claiming the majority of suspects interviewed with SIPM thank the interviewer and are, quote, happy to continue to engage post-interview throughout the judicial process and beyond. Police have been unable to provide any specific evidence of this, nor could police substantiate claims made in the training manual that SIPM had withstood testing in the Court of Appeal and that SIPM was a world leader in aspects of suspect interviewing, saying only Fitzgerald had that information and is not otherwise documented or held by police. Fitzgerald didn't respond to numerous approaches for comment this week.
So Sippum's roots extend back many years before it officially began in 2018. So too do concerns with police interviewing and Tom Fitzgerald's actions with suspects. A week before Christmas in 2008, the body of Mallory Manning was found in Christchurch's Avon River. The 27-year-old sex worker had been strangled, stabbed, raped and dumped not far from the city centre. The following year, detectives began focusing on 21-year-old mongrel mob prospect Moha Fawcett. Over three years, Fawcett was interviewed 11 times as police tried to extract information from him. The first four interviews were highly controversial and involved two detectives caught on tape planning to lie to Fawcett to get him to speak with them. The officer who selected these two specialist interviewers, who have name suppression, was Tom Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald subsequently interviewed Fawcett himself, several times, and his frustration at Fawcett's inability or reluctance to provide information often boiled over. Don't lie to me and say you don't know. Don't insult me, he exploded at one point. I know when you are telling the truth, and you know I know when you are telling the truth. I can see it in your face. I can see it in your eyes. Fawcett, who had clear cognitive difficulties, continually struggled during the interviews. At one point telling Fitzgerald, my head just goes like a boiling kettle. But Fitzgerald repeatedly pushed him to come clean. We need to get this sorted. Ten minutes is how long it's going to take. We've already been here an hour and a half and we've been buggering around. Come on. A high court judge later ruled these interviews were persistent and even somewhat aggressive but not oppressive. In 2014, a jury found Fawcett guilty of murdering Manning, and he was sentenced to at least 20 years in prison. But in 2017, after it was revealed Fawcett was brain damaged and suffering from fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, the Court of Appeal quashed his conviction. Before his retrial, Justice Rachel Dunningham ruled the evidence gained by police in her interviews with Fawcett, including a supposed confession to Fitzgerald, was unreliable and inadmissible. After nearly 10 years in prison, or on restricted bail for a crime he's adamant he didn't commit, Fawcett walked out of jail in October 2021. Manning's murder remains unsolved. Fitzgerald insists Fawcett's interviews predated Sippum and had nothing to do with the technique he later developed but his actions involving suspects again came into the spotlight in the case of Verdon Perry, accused of manslaughter after the body of Aaron Gearns was found near Ashburton in 2014. Police suspected Perry and his friend knew what happened, so picked them up. After an hour of questioning, Perry told Detective Mike Farnham, I'm not going to say any more until I speak with a lawyer. The lawyer Perry phoned stressed he shouldn't say anything to police. Perry conveyed that to Varnum, and the interview ended. But what happened in the next 90 minutes, none of it recorded on video, led to accusations police cut corners to get a confession. After lunch, Perry was taken to an enclosed yard behind the police station for a cigarette. A few minutes later, Tom Fitzgerald, who Perry had never met and wasn't heading the investigation, appeared and led Perry away out of earshot. Fitzgerald told Perry he was aware of the advice from his lawyer not to speak, but said it might not be in Perry's interest to stay silent. Perry asked to see his friend, who was being questioned separately, and Fitzgerald arranged this, 
repeating to the friend that it might be better for Perry to speak up. Another detective present at the time later wrote that following this meeting, Fitzgerald said to Varnum, Go back in. He's going to cough. Or words to that effect. Perry then made a statement without a lawyer present and was later charged with manslaughter. Perry's lawyers argued he had been pressured by Fitzgerald to make a statement in contravention of his right to legal advice and it shouldn't be used at his trial. The case went all the way to the Supreme Court where, in a split decision, Perry's statement was allowed to stand. All five judges agreed Fitzgerald shouldn't have approached Perry and given advice contrary to what his lawyer had told him and all agreed that crucial conversations with Fitzgerald should have been recorded. However, the majority ruled that excluding Perry's statement would be disproportionate to the impropriety. But two dissenting judges were scathing in their views of what Fitzgerald had done. Justice Susan Glazebrook pointed to serious failings and labelled Fitzgerald's actions disingenuous when encouraging Perry to continue speaking with police. Dame Sean Elias, who was then Chief Justice, was even more blunt. The advice Perry was offered by the detective inspector was very bad advice indeed. Despite criticisms of Sippum, Fitzgerald's method has played a part in at least one spectacular success. A man who was interviewed using the technique confessed to killing a woman in the 1990s. He has since pleaded guilty to murder and is serving a life sentence. Further details of that case cannot be reported due to legal reasons, but the interview hasn't attracted the same criticism of the others highlighted by Stuff. Within weeks of Tom Fitzgerald telling a court he saw little reason to review Sippum because it was just good police work, he'd commissioned interviewing expert Mary Shollum to scrutinise the model. In November 2021, Shollum found Sippum fitted with the accepted international interviewing model Peace and suggested Sippum be renamed Peace Plus. However, Shollum only dealt with Sippum as a theoretical technique. And this is where the fundamental gulf between proponents and critics lies between the theory and reality, between words on a page and words in an interview room, between admirable aims and miscarriages of justice. The concern is that legal requirements are glossed over or ignored in these interviews, with a sense that the ends justifies the means if someone confesses or is convicted. As lawyer Nigel Hampton said, SIPM may have been developed with good intentions, but the way it's being used is of considerable concern. On paper, it looks fine, Hampton said. In practice, and the way it is being practised, it is far from fine. I think it has the ability to subvert justice and will lead to further miscarriages. I'm quite firm on that. If you get that sort of interviewing technique being used on people who are not necessarily a particularly high intellect or have other deficiencies, you'll find those sort of people going along with and buying into the suggestions that are being made over a long period of time, resulting in false confessions. Police say SIPM has been used in five investigations, and attempted unsuccessfully in another two. In two of the SIPM cases, police say a suspect has been cleared. They refuse to say how many convictions have resulted from SIPM interviews. The future of SIPM or Peace Plus remains unclear. In part, that's because on October 14, Detective Superintendent Tom Fitzgerald, 58, retired from the police. His resignation seemed abrupt, 
and surprised many. But Fitzgerald insisted he'd been considering retiring for some time, and his decision had nothing to do with scrutiny of Sippum. He noted he would continue to do contract work on interviewing for police. However, given Fitzgerald was Sippum's author, its biggest promoter, its key trainer, and involved in every Sippum case stuff is aware of, it's unknown how the technique might now be used. Detective Superintendent Dave Lynch said police were currently conducting a full review of all levels of interview training and practice undertaken by police, including Sippum's role. Nigel Hampton has an unequivocal warning. Unless police radically change it, I think it has to be scrapped, he said. If they keep on using it, it will end up causing more problems than it solves. It's going to cause police further embarrassment. That was The Strategic Hunters on The Long Read From Stuff, written by Blair Ensor and Mike White, read by Blair Ensor and produced by me, Michael Wright. This episode was edited by Connor Scott. If you're listening via the Stuff website, you can hear this story and many more like it on The Long Read podcast, available on all the usual podcast apps. You can also now drop us a line on email at thelongread@stuff.co.nz. And if you like what you heard, please give us a five-star rating and a review. It helps other listeners find us. Thanks for listening. If you liked listening to this pod, help us make more like this. Visit stuff.co.nz support.